Well, how's everybody doing today? We all good? Now, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, we've, been fa- our fast, we've been fasting for the last 21 days, and it ended technically last night at sundown, all right? So we went out last night and uh, ate meat for the first time in 21 days, and I had coffee today for the first time in 21 days, and I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack up here. I mean, I, I'm ready to go today. I'll tell you right now. I'm excited. Hey, if you're new here, my name is Clint. My wife was up here earlier. Uh, she's Stephanie. We're the pastors of Oasis Church, and there's a lot of new faces. And I just want to, I'm so glad that you're here today. I hope you feel special. I hope your kids are having a great time over there. Did y'all see what was happening over there? It's like Disney World over there. I walked in today, huh? Oh, the, the parents didn't see it. When you go pick up your kids, take a little peek behind the curtain. It's pretty cool if we let them in there. I don't know. Y'all can decide that. <laughs> I'll let the security team decide that. But, uh, but I hope you feel special. I do want to highlight one thing that Stephanie talked about is uh, we have something called the growth track next week, all right? So some of you have been coming every week. Man, this is your church home, okay? The growth track is for you. Some of you are new today. You've never been here before. The growth track is also for you, okay? So here's what the growth track is. You're going to learn a lot about our church, and, but the most important thing is you're going to learn about how God wired you. This is not a class all about our church. This is a class about how God wired you. Because here's what I know. Everybody in here, you want your life to matter. Am I right? You don't want to die on your deathbed and go, man, I did nothing. I didn't do anything. You want to do something that matters. Well, this class is designed to help you live in a way where your life can matter. All right, and so we need an hour of your time next week. Come, we'll have dinner provided for you. We'll have childcare provided for you. They're gonna have fun watching a movie. Yeah, and uh, so we're doing it in two weeks, all right? Or we're doing it next week, but the class takes two weeks, all right? So week one is next week on the 11th, right after church, all right? We're gonna go down, this, has, this place has a basement. None of you have ever seen it before. You're gonna see it next week, and it's gonna be awesome. And so we're gonna have the class for you there. And then the week after that, the 18th is what that would be, right? We're gonna have week two, and that's it. That's all we need. But I'm telling you, this is how you're gonna discover your purpose, God has a purpose for everybody in here. You need to be there, all right? If you want to hear more about us and today is your first time, week one is a perfect week for you. We're going to hear about us and we want you a part of a local church. It can be this church. It could be another church, but you're going to hear about our church and hopefully this can be the place where you call home. All right, we good on that growth track next week? Come on, y'all make some noise. Y'all have to, y'all have to help me. All right. Today's Easter, guys. Can you believe it? it's like Super Bowl for, for churches, all right? We're excited today. I told our team we made it. All right, we made it to the Super Bowl, baby. We're excited. This is our church's very first Easter. Y'all give yourselves a hand for making you a part of history today. You're a part of history. Last year, we were talking about this. It was, I mean, straight in the middle of the pandemic last Easter. Our church had not started yet. And we got our family out of, maybe some of you were here with us, all right? You got, we got our family out of bed we all got dressed like in Easter clothes because we all bought Easter clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we're, this pandemic's only supposed to last two weeks, right? Like, we're going to be together on Easter. And here we are, two, about a year later, right? But anyway, we got our family ready, and we went downstairs and watched Easter service from a church. And uh, so I'm so glad to see some people in this room today. I, I don't want to take that for granted. I'm so glad that y'all are here. I hope you have fun today. But today we're going to talk about the Easter story in, from a different perspective, okay? Um, a lot of churches focus because they meet on Sunday mornings. We don't meet on Sunday mornings, all right? Hopefully in one day we're going to meet on Sunday mornings. But right now we meet on Sunday night. 
And I'm going to talk to us about a story that happened on Easter Sunday night, not Easter Sunday morning, all right? We're going to talk about Easter morning. We're going to talk about Easter night. But first, I need to have a little activity with you. It's going to require you to talk back to me right now. Can we do that? Are y'all with me? Here's how this is going to work. And if this is your first time here, talking back to me is always good. I'll take it anytime, all right? So I'm going to put a famous person on the screen. I'll even tell you who the famous person is, for those of you that you maybe not, you're from America or something, you might not know who these people are, but I'll tell you who they are, okay? Um, and uh, anyway, you can, I, but I want you to tell me, you're going to see the famous person, I want you to tell me what these people are famous for, okay? I'm not tricking anybody, all right? I'm not going to like pull the rug out from under you and go, ha, ah, gotcha, there's, I don't want it, there's none of that, okay? First person, put him up on the screen, Jordan. All right, this is George Washington. What is George Washington famous for? First president, anything else? Chopping down that, which never happened apparently historically, but it's okay. He's famous for it though, all right? He's famous for it. He's, my granddad is here from North Carolina and he, my dad just said he was there. He's, you're getting a little old, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, anyway, he's famous being the first president, chopping down the cherry tree. A lot of people say he had wooden teeth, right? He started America. Come on, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. And uh, so that's what he's famous for. All right, let's go to the next one. Who's this? What's he known for? Come on. Swimming. I mean, that dude is like a fish, man. Like he's, uh, he was built to swim. And not only is he known for swimming, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Can you, he's been the best in the world for multiple Olympics. I mean, is Olympics? Yeah. That's plural for Olympics, right? I don't know. Olympi, I don't know, something. But he's famous for that, right? How many people remember? I remember we lived in an apartment complex. It was against France years ago. And it was the relay race. Y'all remember this? And all of a sudden, we're behind. And on the last guy, they won by like a fingertip. And I remember in our apartment, I was losing it, screaming off the couch. I think I ripped my shirt open. And I stopped for a second and I could hear other people all around me screaming. It was like I experienced that with everybody in the complex. It was cool. All right, next person. Hello, come on now. I love this. I love how just it got, oh, we're going there. We are. Donald Trump, President Trump. For some people in this room, he is famous for being the greatest president of all time. For the other people in this room, he's famous for being the worst president of all time, right? Like, he's famous for something. Now, I'm not going to get into all that with you right now, but he's famous. That's all I want to say. All right, next person. This is the last one. Oprah, what's she famous for? Somebody tell me. TV, what's her famous thing, though? You get a car, and you get a car. I got good news. We're not giving away any free cars today. All right. Maybe one day. That's actually a dream of mine. I'd love to give somebody a car. All right, so everybody is famous for something. I want to ask you, what are you famous for? If I went to some of your family, if I went to some of your friends, what would they say about you? I bet some people in here, they would say, man, he's the funny one. Anytime that it's tense, he can make a joke. He can make people laugh, right? Maybe for some of you, you're known as like the crazy uncle, right? Everybody's got the crazy uncle. And if you don't think you have one, you're it. All right, I just want to tell you, you might be that guy. All right, so you might be known as the crazy one. You might be known as the one that will do anything, right? Like you give this person, I bet you five bucks you won't do that, right? And you're the person that's known for like, oh, I'll do that, right? Five bucks, okay, I'll do that, right? You might be known for that. You might be known as the foodie. Anybody, any foodies in here? 
that love food. I see a couple, I can't see who it is. Michelle, she's a foodie. I like that because I think you're coming over for dinner soon. And I, re- I receive that in Jesus' name. That's all I want to say. I'm ready. But uh, I know Reeves, I remember Pastor Reeves, he spoke a few weeks ago uh, here. He's a foodie and a coffee snob, okay? So we, when we go places together or he comes into town, I'm like, I can't take this dude to Starbucks, right? Like that's, that won't cut it. Like, that's fine for me, not fine for him. And I will take him to the best possible place you can get coffee. He's like, it was okay. It was like, nothing's ever good enough, right? So maybe you're the same. Or maybe uh, you're the person in the room that, man, you killed it. Your business has been very successful. You're a natural leader. People would go, hey, that guy right there, that lady right there, she's a great leader. She has this amazing company. You've made some money. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're accomplished in your career. But I would be willing to bet that if I ask you, what are you famous for? They would not look in, your list would not look anything like that. Because here's the, what I know is that people, when you think about yourself, most of the time, you're not thinking, man, I'm hilarious, right? Actually, I do make that joke all the time at our house. I'm like, I'm funny, guys. Y'all, y'all are so lucky to have me and y'all are laugh. You know, uh, that's not really true, but it is true. I'm, not, I'm funny, I'm funny, I'm just joking. But uh, you're not thinking that about yourself. Your list, if I ask you, what are you famous for? You'd say something like, you know, I'm the one that's overweight. Struggle with weight my whole life. I, maybe, you're, maybe that's you. Or I, I'm the one that struggles with drinking a little too much. Like I, I, that's been a really big problem of mine. Maybe for you, you're like, you know what? I've been depressed for, since I can remember. Maybe that's you. Maybe for you is, you know, I'm a pretty anxious person. I'm known as like when something gets tense, like you don't really want to be around me. I tend to get really anxious. Maybe for you, uh, you think you're famous for, I'm the one that just can't stay married. This is like my third marriage. I can't get it. I always pick the wrong guys. I always pick the wrong girl, whatever it is. Like I I just, I have a hard time staying married. Maybe for you, I can't find anybody. I can't get married. You know, like I, I'm single. I'm always going to be single. I'm in my thirties now. Like how everyone else is married and has kids and I don't even, I'm not even on anyone's radar. Maybe that's you. Maybe for you, you're the one that made a huge mistake. And that defines you. That's what you're famous for. You're the person that did this and it almost ruined your life. Maybe for you, you're the one that couldn't provide for your family during COVID. And that weight you carry around, like it was your fault, right? Like, man, I just, I lost my job and I couldn't get it together. And that defines you. That's what you think you're famous for. What do you, I want you to think about that. What are you famous for? What do you think you're famous for? Because your friends and family might say one thing, but you feel something completely different. What are you famous? What are you known for? Well, today we're going to look at a guy in the Bible who was known for something. He was honestly known for something not very good, right? We would look at his name, and I bet all of you or most of you in this room has heard of this guy before, and he was one of the disciples. He was with Jesus through everything. He followed, he left his family, he left his career, he left everything behind to follow this guy named Jesus. And at this point, he was there handing out food when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. He was breaking the bread, he was handing it to people, he was feeding them, you know, the fish fillets, whatever it was back then, right? He was doing that. He was there when Lazarus came out of the tomb and God raised him from the dead. He was there when Jesus saw the lame man fall from the ceiling, right? Because his friends brought him to Jesus and he saw Jesus go, hey, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. 
He was there. He was there when the, the lady who had suffering from the, the, the issue of blood for years and years, and all she had to do was touch the hem of his rope, the Bible says, and she was healed. He was there. He saw that. He was there when Jesus ran into the guy in the graveyard among the tombs that was filled with demons, and all of a sudden, Jesus cast all the demons. He was there. He saw every miracle. He was a part of everything. He had a front row seat. Can you imagine? He was there with Jesus in the Last Supper, and they were hanging out together for the last time. He was there for all of it. If anyone should have believed, it was him. If anyone had a reason to believe, it was he saw everything. He experienced everything. But his name in the Bible is Thomas. But what do we know about Thomas? What's Thomas's real first name? Doubting. Doubting Doubting Thomas. So he was there. He saw these things. He was a part of these things. But he's famous for doubting. He's famous for not really believing when it mattered. And maybe some of you can kind of relate to Thomas. All right, so we're going to look at his story. This story starts off on Easter evening. So I'm going to catch you up a little bit, just in case you don't know what Easter's all about. I'm about to give it to you really fast. All right, y'all ready for this? Come on, y'all ready? Y'all got to be with me here. Okay, here we go. So... And by this point, where we're going to start reading in a second, Jesus has had the Last Supper. He breaks bread. He washes the disciples' feet. He's saying whack stuff. I mean, he's saying things to the disciples, and the disciples are looking at each other like, this dude's lost it. Like, he's saying things like, I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm going to come back to life. And they're like, Okay, buddy, you know, we've seen some crazy stuff, but you're acting weird. Uh, He's saying, he's breaking bread and saying, hey, this is my body that's broken, and this cup is my blood, right? Like, they're like, dude, you're getting weird on a stop. You know, he's been there. They're having the Last Supper. They don't know what's about to happen. Jesus knows. They leave the Last Supper. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes, and he prays for three hours, He gets down. The Bible says he was so distressed that he was sweating drops of blood. And he's begging, he's looking at God saying, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way to save these people? And God doesn't respond. Isn't it funny that sometimes God can be silent and really be saying a lot at the same time? He's looking at Jesus in that moment, not saying anything. Jesus knows the only way is to move forward. So he gets up from praying. All of a sudden, one of his closest disciples, Judas, comes and betrays Jesus in front of everybody. But Jesus, Judas wasn't alone. He brought a whole army with him. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets arrested. He gets put on trial from the religious leaders. He gets bounced to the, bounced to the government. The government bounces him back to the religious leaders. And they were, the government was afraid. They're like, these people are about to revolt on us. Just do whatever you want with them. And he gets sentenced to death. And not only death, but like the worst death possible, crucifixion. These people had the crucifixion down to a science. They knew how to take somebody within an inch of their life and not kill them and then keep them there for a really, really long time. And so he was beaten. He would put the, so they shoved a crown of thorns on him. They, after they beat him, put a robe on him. All of the blood from his body would dry to the robe and then they would rip it off, open up all the wounds again. And if that wasn't enough, they strapped a cross to his back, splinters going everywhere in his body. They made him carry the cross a half a mile. 
I don't know if I can walk a half a mile right now. You know what I'm saying? And he'd been beaten. He had nothing left. He was within an inch of his life. And he walks a half a mile up to the place where they lay him down on the cross. And they would drive nails, like railroad spikes, into his hands, into his feet. And the only way that Jesus could breathe was to push up on the nails on his feet and lift himself up enough just to get a breath of air and then sink back down. And he did this for hours. He was on the cross for hours, humiliated. Everybody that has seen Jesus do these crazy, awesome miracles were walking by, spitting on him, hitting him, making fun of him, saying, don't you have like a legion of angels that can come down and save you? And in the midst of all this, Jesus says, hey, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then Jesus breathed his last breath. They stuck him in a tomb. His disciples most likely were watching at a distance. One or two of them were there. Jesus was dead. Like this isn't, he wasn't in a deep sleep. Wasn't in a, he was dead. Medically, no heartbeat, no brain, he was dead. They put him in a tomb They seal it with a gigantic rock and they put two guards outside. That dude wasn't getting out without anyone knowing about it. So here's where we are. This is where we pick up the story. It says this in John chapter 20, verse 19. If you got your Bible, who brought the actual Bible today? Anyone actually bring their Bible? I'll come, I see a couple people. Come on now, look at that. For the rest of you, turn your Bible on. All right, so that's what I like to say. You can turn your Bible on. I don't even know where my Bibles are. I just use my phone. For some people, you might not like that. I'm sorry. Um, I'd never lose my phone, though. So uh, anyway, chapter 20 and verse 19 says this. That Sunday evening, just about now, all right? Jesus has been dead. He died on Friday. He was dead all day Saturday. Sunday, they hadn't seen what had happened on Sunday, which we all know what happened on Sunday. They're sitting in a room, the disciples, They're behind locked doors. They're not only sitting in a room, they're afraid. They've locked the doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. These words are very important because here's here's what I'll tell you. I love scaring people, okay? If you follow me on Instagram, my poor wife, I scare them and the kids all the time. I love scaring people. It is my favorite thing in the world. It never gets old. I love popping up from around a corner and just getting you real quick, you know? This was the greatest scare of all time, all right? So Jesus was dead. They saw him die. All of a sudden, they're in a locked room. No one opened the doors because they're afraid. And Jesus suddenly appears in this room. Can you imagine being in there? All of you would say a bad word. I promise you all of you would be saying a bad word, freaking out. I would be doing the same thing, all right? So he goes and says, peace be with you. Don't freak out, right? And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and the one at his side. You see, how we know that Jesus actually died is uh, the, the gospel of Luke. He was a physician. He was a doctor. And whenever they, they were testing to see if Jesus was truly dead, they stabbed him with a spear and it said that blood and water had come out. Something that could only happen after you've died is your blood separates from your plasma. I think if you're a doctor in here, am I right? You're a doctor, right? Something like that happens, right? Yeah. He gave me a, uh, close enough, right? Okay. It's close enough. I forget there's a doctor in here right now. But uh, that only happens after you die. That doesn't happen whenever you're alive. So they know Jesus was medically dead. 
So I want you to put yourself in their shoes. You're in there. All of a sudden, magically, Jesus appears in this room and he shows them, hey, it's me. I know that you think you're hallucinating. You think you're on something. You're not dreaming. It's really me. He showed them the scars in his hand. He showed them the scars on his side. He showed them his feet. They were probably like touching, like that is real. Like I, I can smell him. I can see him. I can touch him. Like he's actually there, right? But someone was missing. Most 11 of the disciples were there, but someone was missing. And wouldn't you know it, good old Thomas was not in the room when this happened. So let's keep reading. In chapter 20, verse 24, it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. I'm talking about missing your moment right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever missed something and you just weren't there for it? I would hate, I have major FOMO, all right? I hate missing out on stuff. I hate being the last person to know something. I always wanna be there. Thomas misses it and that would drive me crazy. All right, so he misses it when Jesus came and the disciples, they told him, we've seen the Lord. Like he was in this room. I touched his hands. I saw it. I, like we could smell him. We talked with him. He magically appeared. Can you imagine being there? And Thomas, just like all of you would do, like I would do, Thomas says this, he, he replied, I will not believe. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side. All of you are like this. I'm like this, you're like this. They're going, you guys are insane. I'm not gonna believe it unless I can touch this guy. Unless I can see this, I can touch this. And you're thinking, Clint, I have more faith than that. You don't know me. I'm about to prove it to you. You ready for this? I'm this we're gonna have a little fun. We're gonna take a hard turn right now. I'm just gonna prepare you. We're gonna take a turn. Hang with me, all right? I'm gonna make a statement right now that I would say 99% of the people in this room are gonna disagree with, all right? Nothing controversial, so don't freak out. We're not going there, all right? So, but 99% of you are gonna disagree with me. Y'all ready? Bigfoot is real. Now, I'm being serious. I actually believe Bigfoot is real. Anyone with me? Come on. Okay, we got a couple, maybe more than 90, okay, 95% of us don't believe this, all right? I, Bigfoot's real. Do y'all believe me? Come on, do y'all believe me? I'm gonna prove it to you, all right? I have a picture of Bigfoot. Check this out. There he is. It's a little blurry. This was taken a long time ago, I get it. But there's, that's a picture of Bigfoot. Now, who believes me? Come on. Okay. I got more proof. I have a video of Bigfoot. Y'all check this out. Look at it. It's gonna keep going. Watch it. You can't tell me Bigfoot's not real. There's a video of Bigfoot right here. Who believes in Bigfoot? Come on. Okay, I, I got a couple, I got a couple. Some of you still don't believe me. How about I give you some eyewitness accounts? I'm gonna read, you can keep the Bigfoot rolling, baby. You can keep them going. I'm gonna read these to you. This first one is from a youth group, a church. People in church don't lie, right? Here's what it says. A youth group was camping in Marble Mountain Wilderness when leader Jim Mills noticed a strange-looking creature skulking along a ridge nearby. He filmed it for nearly seven 
minutes making the somewhat grainy footage. Bigfoot's always blurry. All right, you're going to you're gonna have to be okay with that. Making the somewhat grainy footage the longest video of an alleged Bigfoot sighting. Anyone believe me? I got another one. All right, October 2012. A group of siblings were hiking in Provo Canyon. They thought they spotted a bear. Many of you are like, Bigfoots are just bears. Listen to this, okay? In the woods, and they started filming. When the creature stood up on two legs, which bears don't do the way that Bigfoots do, by the way, they started, when he stood up on two legs, the hikers ran, abruptly ending the shaky video. A year later, the siblings launched a Kickstarter campaign to investigate other Utah Bigfoot sightings. I'm happy to tell you our church is donating to this Kickstarter campaign. I'm just joking. We're outrageously generous, but not that generous, all right? Anyone believe me? I got another one. Here we go. A hiker. These are all recent. A hiker was walking through the Utah hills near Provo Canyon in 2012 when he spotted a large animal in the woods. As he approached, the animal stood up on two legs and started throwing rocks at him, supposedly a trademark behavior of Sasquatches. Come on, who, I've shown you a picture, I've shown you video, and I've read stories, who believes me? Did I convert anybody? Maybe two or three people? Now let me ask you this, what's it gonna take for you to believe in Bigfoot? You have to see it yourself. You're just like Thomas, doubting Thomas, not this Thomas, doubting Thomas. You're saying, you can show me, you can tell me, you can show me all the pictures, bring me all the people, but until I see it with my own eyes, until I can smell Bigfoot for myself, I'm not gonna believe. Is that how most people are in here? You're more like doubting Thomas than you might realize. Who knows, I actually do believe that there could be an animal that's like Bigfoot out there, all right? A lot of woods out there we don't know about, all right? So I'm just telling you, I'm in on it. But some of you will not believe because you, don't, you haven't experienced it yet. Thomas is the same way. He's saying, I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what you experience yourself until I can experience it myself. I'm not gonna believe. Here's what I know. Some people have walked into this church today. You come in a skeptic. You've come in a person that is, it's, you may have been hurt by the church at some point. Something may have happened to you in your life that made you question, like, there's, if God allowed this to happen in my life, there's no way he's real. He would not allow this, right? Or if God allows this to happen in the world, there's no way he's real. And I can't believe in him. He's gonna have to appear to me in a vision, right? He's gonna have to, literally, I'm gonna have to see him physically with my eyes. I'm, I can't believe in him. There's no evidence, right? Maybe some of you walked in a skeptic today. Maybe some people in here, uh, you're saying, I can't believe. There's just, the science of it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I, I can't go there, right? And let me just tell you, if that's you today, if you came in hurting a little bit, if you came in a little jaded today, if you came in a skeptic today, I wanna tell you, I'm so glad you're here because we're gonna finish this story and the ending is great. You could not be in a more perfect place. You're here and I love it. So Thomas, he's in the upper room with these people. He, they have told them, I, we saw this, and he's like, I'm not, listen, I'm not believing until I see him myself. Not only see him, I need to touch him, right? I need to like physically touch him. 
I want to touch the scars in his body. Well, guess what? Jesus doesn't do anything for eight days. Thomas is starting to feel more and more like an outsider. He's starting to feel like my friends are wacko crazy, right? They keep saying, they saw, I haven't seen him. It's been eight days. Here's what the Bible says. Eight days later, starting in verse 26, John 20. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. They had probably, by the way, been coming together every night. They were terrified. If the Jewish leaders saw them, they were afraid that they were gonna do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus. So they're terrified. They're huddling up. They're locking the doors. But this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Now, don't go to the next slide, Jordan. Keep it right there. Some of you have an experience of Jesus that is not the Jesus that I would say is pictured in the Bible. For some of you, because of maybe your church background, your faith background, maybe you have a view of God where he's always angry with you. Maybe you had an angry father and you think that Jesus and God, the heavenly father, they're gonna be just like your dad. And maybe they're angry. Maybe they, in a moment like this, they would go, see, Thomas, should, a lot of you think Jesus is gonna come in here and go, see, Thomas, uh, you, you couldn't believe. Why did you do this? Why did you doubt me? You saw me do all these things. But Jesus doesn't do that. Go to the next slide. It says this. Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. He didn't yell at him. He didn't uh, discipline him. He didn't get him in line. He didn't talk harshly to him. He met Thomas exactly where he was. He met Thomas in his doubt. He met Thomas in his hurt. He met Thomas right where he was. And he looks at Thomas and he says, put your finger here. Come on. I wasn't here when you said that, but I know. You need to, come on, touch my hands. I'm here. I'm, I want to prove to you that this is real. Come on, touch my side. Put your hand into my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now notice this. This is very important. Don't miss this. Thomas's reply was not to go and touch Jesus's hand. His reply was not to go and touch Jesus's side. It wasn't to touch his feet. He didn't have to do any of that. He said this. All he said was, my Lord and my God. He, he said it excitedly. He said it as if that, that was like a gut reaction for him. It's been eight days. Thomas hadn't seen Jesus. He's felt alone. He's felt isolated from the rest of the group that he had spent all of his time with. Eight days. How many of you have ever felt that Jesus was late in your life? Come on, be honest. I have. Feel that way all the time. Let me tell you, Jesus is never late. He's always on time. We're really early a lot of times. That's what our problem is. Jesus is never late. And guess what? Jesus will always show up. If it's eight days, if it's eight years, if it's eight months, you can count on this. Jesus will show up in your life every time. I'm certain of it. The Bible actually says, it promises this to you. It says this in Jeremiah 29. It says, you will seek me and you will find me. If you're looking for Jesus, you're gonna find him. But there is a catch. There is a condition. This is a conditional promise. It says, 
you will seek me and you're going to find me, but you have to seek me with all of your heart. Seek me with all of your heart. If you came in today and you're feeling like Thomas, you're doubting a little bit, you're a skeptic, maybe it's hard for you to believe because the, the puzzle pieces just aren't really getting together. The Bible tells me this, and I believe it's true. And guess what? You have nothing to lose to try this, by the way. You have nothing to lose. The Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. But seek me with all of your heart. You can't halfway seek Jesus. You can't halfway dip your toe in the water. You can't halfway do it. You have to go all in. All in. Give it some time. If you don't believe me, man, give God six months. Give God a year. Give God a, a, an amount of time and go all in. Join the group. Get to church. Start giving. You don't have to give here. I don't care if you give a dime here. Give to another church. Give to a charity. Start being generous. Start living outside of yourself. Start serving. Man, we got people out here that just sit, and, and it's not just, they sit out here and they smile and they welcome people. We got kids in there serving with kids. We got kids or people in the parking lot. Like, serve, jump in. Go all in. And Jesus, or God tells us that when you do that, you'll find them. Because God always requires us to take a little step of faith. He showed up in Thomas's life. Thomas positioned himself to be in that room. With it. He's like, I'm not missing this again. I won't go to the bathroom anymore, right? Like he may have just stepped out to go to the bathroom. I have no idea why he wasn't in there. But he wasn't missing. He positioned himself. He was there. He wasn't gonna miss out. Go all in. You'll find him every time. But here's something I want you to note. Is Thomas didn't really have to do what he thought he would have to do to find Jesus, to see Jesus as being real. Remember what he said? He said, I won't believe. He was being, he was for real. I'm not gonna believe until I can touch his hands, right? But he didn't have to do that. And I bet that if you decide to go all in, you're not gonna have to do the things you think you're gonna have to do. Because here's what I know, just like Thomas, when he stepped into God's presence in that moment, or really when God stepped into his, it changed everything. You don't have to see physically Jesus. You don't have to physically see God in order for him to change your life. When his presence is in the room, when you get into his presence, that's all you need. And I, I can't explain that. The Bible tells us this, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. Can you imagine the freedom that Thomas felt? Think about this. I want you to, for real, think about this. Thomas, given three years of his life, he was probably homeless for a lot of those. They were probably finding weird places to sleep. They didn't, he didn't work. He didn't have an income. He wasn't doing what he was doing before. He followed this guy around that was doing some awesome miracles, doing some pretty cool stuff, gaining popularity everywhere he went. He was there, right? He's seen everything. But he didn't need, at the end of the day, to touch him. He just had to experience him. And that was enough for him. He had probably been carrying around in that moment, I feel like an idiot. 
I've given my life to this guy. He was supposed to take over the, the government and like rule as this king. That's what they thought. He was there to physically like take over the government, revolt. And like, they were all like, man, we're going to be his cabinet members and we're going to be sitting high in our, our high horses. We're in, you know? All of a sudden, this guy dies. Thomas was probably mad, hurt. He felt stupid for even following this guy around anyway. And all of a sudden, like all these people are saying he's alive, but he hadn't seen it. He's thinking, all oh, these people are, he was like the only normal one, you know? Like he was like, You're, they're crazy. That doesn't happen. And in that moment, all of that was lifted off his shoulders. Can you imagine the freedom? Can you imagine the change that happened in Thomas's life when God appeared to him in the flesh and said, I'm here. This is real, dude. This isn't a joke. Man, he felt free probably for the first time in his whole life. He was like, I'm in. I'm all in on this. Let me tell you, when you experience Jesus, you will be all in. You can't not be. That's how he is. Earlier, we talked about, man, what are these people famous for? George Washington, you know, Michael Phelps, Donald Trump, good old Oprah, right? They're all famous for something. What are you famous for? I don't know. Some of you are great musicians. Some of you are great moms. Some of you have great businesses. You know, like you're famous for something. Let me tell you what Jesus is famous for. Jesus is famous for changing people's lives. He's famous for setting people free. He's famous for giving you a hope. He's famous for providing He's famous for being the creator. He's famous for being the restorer. He's famous for being the healer. He's famous for showing up and meeting you exactly where you are. That's what he's famous for. So I don't know what you walked in here believing about Jesus, but I want to tell you, if it was anything other than those things, it ain't right. That's not the Jesus I believe in either. I believe in the Jesus that loves you unconditionally, that died on that cross for you to pay for your sins when you have nothing really to give back to him. The Bible tells us that there's no one righteous, not even one. You can't do it on your own. The Bible says it's by grace that we're saved. We're not saved through good works. So if you think you can work your way to heaven, you can't. But Jesus is famous for bridging that gap so that we can have a relationship with him that changes everything. That's what he's famous for. So I want some of you today to experience the life-changing love of Jesus because it's real. That's why we celebrate Easter. This thing is real. Joey, you can come up. This thing is real. It's not make-believe. It's not a fairy tale. It's not anything. It is something that is genuinely real. And it can really change your life. It can really change everything about your life. Am I promising that if you make a decision to follow Jesus today, that all your problems are magically gonna go away? No. But I am promising that your hope can change today. I am promising that God can begin to change you. It might not happen over my, you might, it might take you a while to stop doing the things you know you shouldn't be doing. But then you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you that can work that out. So I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. Listen, no one's looking around. This is a safe place, okay? Being in Jesus' presence changes everything. It really does. Thomas knows it. In fact, Thomas was so convinced that this was real 
that he gave his life for it. I was doing some research on him this week. I wouldn't even plan on sharing this, but he was so convinced that it ultimately cost him his life. And not just like put in prison and he died in prison. No, they captured him, they put him against a wall and they speared him to death. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. Prison would have been easy. Did you know all the disciples that spent time with Jesus all died knowing that it was true? Normal people would not do that if it wasn't real. You wouldn't die for something that you knew was a lie. And the chances of all 12 of these people being crazy and lunatics is insane. That's not logical. I choose to believe it. You don't give your life for something that, that isn't real. It was real and it can be real for you. So I don't know who is in here. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you've been through in your life. I don't know what you're going through right now. But here's what I know. Jesus can change everything. And for some people in here, you've never accepted Jesus into your life. You've never accepted him and chose, chosen to follow him with your life. Well, today I wanna give you that chance. Give him a chance. Listen, give him a chance. Go all in. If you seek me, you will find me. But seek him with all your heart. Go all in. For some of you, that means starting a relationship with Jesus. For other people, that's just getting back here next week. Be here. For some of you, man, get in the growth track. Start serving. Maybe that's your next step. I don't know what it is. But it all starts with Jesus. And so if you're in here and you haven't accepted Jesus in your life, we're going to do that right now. I want you to think about this. And on the count of three, if you want to invite Jesus into your life, make him the Lord of your life. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. All right, raise it. It's really bright up here. I can't really see, but I want to pray for you. All right, no one's looking around. You don't have to feel embarrassed. This is the best thing in the world, I promise you. So that's you on the count of three. I want you to raise your hand and say, Clint, I want to follow Jesus. All right, one, two, three. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. Awesome, put your hands down. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer after me. Now listen, this prayer is not magical, okay? Not magical. What this prayer does is it helps you kind of phrase what you're feeling right now and then to invite Jesus into your life. It's about your heart. It's not about the words, it's about your heart. So that's you. Quietly, in your mind, say these words. Say, dear God, I believe God, I invite you into my life. I receive what you did on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, y'all give those people a hand that gave their life to Jesus today. So proud. Give me one second. I'm coming back. If that was you, I want you to take one of these right here, okay? I want you to fill this out. On the bottom, I want you to say, I want to know more about following Jesus, all right? If you do that, there's some uh, wooden bowls outside on these tables right out here. And I want you to drop that in here and we can get in touch with you and kind of let you know what your faith journey can look like. How? Okay, some of you may have made that decision. You're thinking, how do I go all in? How do I do this? 
Well, we would love to tell you, all right? So do that for us. We'll get in touch with you and uh, we'll let you know about that. Some of you, like I said, you need to come to the growth track. Now listen, next week, make some time. One hour, we're gonna watch your kids and feed you. What more could you want? You know what I'm saying? Y'all are gonna love this. It is a really fun class. Our team went through it early this summer. It's fun. Y'all are gonna love it. But I want you to be a part. And man, if you've been coming here, this is where you need to be next week. If you haven't been coming here, that's where you need to be next week, all right? Come, find out about what we're about here. I promise you're gonna love it. You're gonna have so much fun. You're gonna learn about our church. It's gonna be awesome. For some of you in here, your next step, get back here next week. Bring someone with you, all right? I'm not gonna pressure you to do anything that you don't wanna do, but man, I believe your week is gonna be better if you can just show up, be encouraged for a second, have someone smile at you, have someone, man, make your day when they come in. That's our goal. We want you to feel loved and welcome. You can feel however you want when you're outside of here, but when you're coming here, you're gonna feel loved, you're gonna feel welcome. And some of you need that, all right? So come in, be back next week. But hey, give yourselves one more hand. You made history today. You're at our first, very first Easter service. So glad. What time is it? All right, not bad. Hey, we love you guys so much. Go check out what the kids just did. They had like a walkthrough Alice in Wonderland meets the Easter story. All right, it's kind of, it sounds crazy. It is a little crazy, but it was awesome. I'm telling you, it's super cool. They had a ton of fun over there, I promise you. Go peek your head in there and check it out because it's really, really awesome. But hey, next week, we're starting a brand new series called Lions, Giants, and Bears. Oh my, right? A little bit from, uh, from what is it? The Wizard of Oz, right? We're gonna talk about the life of David and how you can learn some things to be a person that is after God's own heart. It's gonna be great. We can't wait to see you. Y'all have a great week. We love you and we'll see you next week, four o'clock, all right? Y'all have a good week.